Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Ross, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Ross and Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Anthony Casablanca, who is president of Vortex Global. Correct. Thanks for joining us today, Anthony. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure, Mike. I'm, I'm looking forward to the interview. Good. Before we get started, let me uh, give a little bit of a preview for our, our listeners. Uh, next week, we're going to uh, have uh, Bob Risk of Staples, and he's going to talk about risk preparedness. Following week, we're going to have an author of a best-selling book, Anthony Thorne, uh, and his book is uh, How to Spend Your Time. It's a leadership book. Hmm. And then we're going to have, from Cap Gemini Spaghetti, John Rogan, who is a global executive with uh, Cap Gemini for about 20 years. And a Sandler client. Oh, there you go. And then we're going to have Chris Cole from Intelligrated on September 12th and into October. Richard Lajones from the Cincinnati Rotary Club, talking about Rotary in Cincinnati. A couple of other upcoming uh, programs that we're going to be doing here in Cincinnati. We have a new leadership program called Transforming Leaders the Sandler Way. That's going to be done in October. It's 52 lessons in personal and organizational effectiveness. We, we have Dave Arch, the author of the book, scheduled to come out to Cincinnati. We still have places available for that at $175 a seat for an individual or $150 for groups. That's going to be on an afternoon here in Cincinnati up at the Blue, Blue Ash Crown Plaza. Okay. Oh, yes. Then the, uh, the Sandler Builder, Business Builder Series, the, the month of September, is going to be at the O'Banion Country Club on Wednesday, September 10th. We're going to be talking about the 12 fatal sales mistakes that most salespeople make, uh, and what to do about them. That's a, that program runs uh, from 11.30 to 12 for lunch, and from 12 to 2 for the program. Everyone makes mistakes. Wouldn't it be great if we knew what they were, were going to be, and we could avoid doing them. When you leave that program, that's what you'll know. The cost for non-president club members is $25. Now, let me tell everyone about you, Anthony. Do your friends like to call you Tony or Anthony? No, I gave up Tony in high school. So gave up Tony? It's Anthony, yeah. Okay. This didn't, your, your bio didn't exactly say this. Where did you grow up? So, interestingly, I actually grew up in the Bronx, New York. 33rd, okay. Yeah, yeah, in fact, the South Bronx. So, oh, okay. Um, but we moved to Dayton, Ohio when I was 13, so mm-hmm. I really grew up in Dayton, Ohio. Okay. A town called Englewood. So. Okay, you picked up the accent, though. Yeah, I did, exactly. Yeah, I have to go back at least twice a year to get my New York accent reinforced. reinforced. Yeah. Okay, Anthony is a graduate of Wright State University in Dayton, and you hold a master's degree in manufacturing management from the General Motors Institute. How does one 
from Dayton wind up at the General Motors Institute. So, you know, talent development has been a, a staple with Hill and Brand Industries for a long time. We were actually an off-campus branch of the General Motors Institute. So we had the luxury, the, the classes were filmed on Mondays. Mm -hmm. They would overnight the films to us, and then we would watch them on Wednesdays, and that's how we would... Uh, uh, that's how we would complete the program. So it was, we were an off-campus branch, and we did that, gosh, that was in the 90s that we were a part of that. So it was a great program. made it very convenient sure. to get a master's degree. Yeah. I, I would have expected General Motors Institute only to be in the Detroit area. Mm -hmm. And you've been with Hildenbrand for 30 years. Previous roles of increasing responsibility included plant controller, plant manager, marketing director, vice president of human resources, Vice President of the Supply Chain, and now you're head of Rotex Global. Anthony is, rec is recognized throughout Hillenbrand as a principled-centered leader who focuses effort his efforts on focusing the powers of teams he leads and as an identifier and developer of talent in the organization. Anthony believes one of his most important roles as, as an operating company leader is to bring high-potential individuals into the organization for an extended rotational assignment, develop them, and prepare them to lead their own teams in the future. That's a forward-thinking leader, Tony. Yes, Anthony. yes. No, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, again, it's uh, talent development is one of the pillars of Hillenbrand. So it's, uh, and, of course, my role as the human resources vice president sort of ingrained that in me. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Could you give, give our listeners a uh, brief description of Rotex Global in case they don't know the industrial screening world. Sure, sure. So, so Rotex is, is actually a pretty interesting story. We are the second oldest company in Cincinnati, uh, second only behind Procter & Gamble. The, the company was actually founded in 1844 mm -hmm. uh, by a gentleman by the name of uh, Isaac Straub. And and actually, we've, we've been in the same building since 1910, So, which we're right down on uh, off of Spring Grove Avenue by the, uh, by the cemetery. The, account, the company officially picked up its name, Rotex, in 1974, and it's a, the name actually comes from a product that was invented back in, like, 1913. Mm -hmm. It was actually a product line, and we later named the company after it. And we really serve, of course, the company was, was acquired in 2011 by Hillenbrand, and we really serve the, um, to describe our market would be drive bulk separation, so anything that's dry that requires high accuracy separation at high volumes uh, and where screening is where the money's made in the process. Those are the those are the characteristics of the markets we look for. So could you give our listeners an example of a product uh, category that that would fit exactly? I could. Um, so we uh, do an awful lot in the potash business and in the fertilizer business. Mm -hmm. Uh, so getting it all out of the ground is great, but mm -hmm. you've got to have you got to have a very high volume and, and very specific sizes uh, to uh, through that process in order for the process to work efficiently. Uh, we do a lot with dog food. Um, we do a lot to actually Procter and Gamble detergents. We do a lot with detergents, uh, coffee, so the K cups. Mm -hmm. Right. So you got to have very specifically sized coffee grams there. Uh, that's the type of separations we get involved in. Okay. So. Yeah. Didn't take the coffee grounds. No. Actually, it's amazing. Uh, we have a general store in our in our building that showcases all of the products that in some ways, shape, or form touch a screener. And you would be amazed. It's everything from table salt to peanut M&Ms go across our screeners because the peanuts have to be a very specific size to take the right coating of chocolate. So 
pretty interesting. I, I never had cause to think about how much stuff goes across the screener. So. Yeah, I, me either. It uh, wasn't the, uh, the top of mind, no. if you would. No. So uh, if you could, for our listeners, maybe give, give them a little bit more of a background of, of how you got to be the, the president of, of Rotex. Yeah, it's a, it's sort of a long story, but uh, I, I graduated from Wright State University with a degree in accounting, went to work for Arthur Anderson in Cincinnati and, and worked for them for a couple of years and realized that public accounting wasn't wasn't probably the field I really wanted to uh, to make my career in. And at the time, Hillenbrand was a client. And so I, I left Arthur Anderson and went to work for uh, Hillenbrand as an internal auditor. Then did that for a couple of years, and then I joined Basel Casket Company as a cost accountant was fairly quickly promoted to a uh, plant controller in our Manchester, Tennessee facility, which uh, was the largest and is the largest casket facility uh, in the world, quite frankly, uh, today. I came back to Baseball Casket Company as a director of finance and operation after the controller role, and I actually ran that plant for about a year. And then uh, one night I was in my office, and the vice president of marketing knocked on my door and said, geez, we got this project. We think you'd be great for it. How'd you like to come join the marketing staff? And I said, why would you want somebody with absolutely no marketing background to come in and step into a marketing role? Uh, and his response was, well, with your manufacturing background, your accounting background, we think you, we can teach you the marketing side. Um, so I did that for a few years. Then I joined the sales organization in a, in a planning capacity. Uh, then I moved over to human resources and supported the supply chain there. As a director, was later promoted to the vice president of human resources, and then in a succession planning discussion, my name came up as somebody who might be able to step in as the VP of the supply chain at some point. And lo and behold, like four months later, we took the vice president of the supply chain and made him the vice president of global sales, and I became the vice president mm. of the supply chain for Casket. Uh, and then two years ago, Joe Raver, who I'd worked for periodically throughout my career, stopped in and said, hey, we've... We've got an opportunity opening up at Rotex, and we think it'd be a great opportunity for you. And here I am. So great story. It is, and it really highlights um, Hill and Brand's view of talent, which is put people in roles that are somewhat unconventional for their background, mm-hmm. let them grow and develop, mm-hmm. um, and and see what happens. And it's and it's for the most part very intentional in nature. Mm-hmm. So, and your experience has been positive for many people. Uh, it has. It has. I mean, if you look at the executive teams across the the, uh, the Hillenbrand Batesville companies, now the, the acquisition companies are just starting to get into the flow. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, if you look at the executive teams for most of the folks at, at Hillenbrand uh, and at Batesville, they've had various roles, somewhat unconventional, right? You wouldn't take... You wouldn't take the chief financial officer and make him the vice president of supply chain and then make him the vice president of global sales, but that's that's what we did, mm-hmm. uh, and it was it was actually worked out pretty well. Um, and now at Terrasource, or at, I'm sorry, at Rotex, Terrasource is a sister company. At Rotex, we are starting to experience the same thing. In fact, I've got a gentleman who reports directly to me who's currently on assignment at Hill and Brand. Uh, in a role that will be great for him, and it's going to be great for the organization as well. So, yeah, it's it's been very positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you think people uh, buy from Rotex? Um, you know, first and foremost, I would have to say Rotex is a great organization, and and we have great people. Uh, but there are there are a couple of things that that I think attract customers to us. Um, uh, one is definitely our people and the incredible application expertise that our folks have. So 
when you're talking about potash processes or oilseed processes or seed cleaning processes, uh, our folks know those industries and know those processes in and out and uh, are able to um, uh, are able to clearly articulate the benefits uh, and understand those systems and, and get the most out of how a Rotex screener can, can work in those systems. Secondly is our technology. Um, we have a very unique motion on our machines that allows us to do highly accurate, high-volume separations. I mean, I'm talking, you know, tens to hundreds of thousands of tons an hour mm -hmm. to go across our machines. And our, our motion allows that to happen because the particles stay on the screening bed a lot longer than in some other technologies. And then the third one is really our aftermarket support. So we have an organization that's dedicated to making sure that, that we can get aftermarket parts to people in a very timely fashion. That's a little bit different buy, right, because equipment is down, things need to be repaired, and, and we've got an organization that can respond to that. So Good. Uh, Anthony has agreed to uh, take callers uh, from the audience. Our call-in number today is, as usual, 646-595. Four nine one six, uh, and we'll be able to screen those callers during the uh, commercial breaks. Uh, I think we'll take a we're going to take a break now. We're going to listen to uh, Jimmy Fox talk about Tip Club. Uh, that's the networking group that I sponsor here in Cincinnati. It meets once a month, and the uh, next meeting is next Thursday morning, the twenty first of August, from seven thirty a.m. to nine a.m. Jimmy, tell everyone a little bit about Tip Club. Hi, I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business -business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business -business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. To reserve a seat, please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the Events tab at the top of the page. Then, just scroll down the list until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you at our next networking event. Mike Roth with Anthony Casablanca. Uh, Anthony, why don't you tell our listeners how they could find out more about Rotex Global after the show? Sure, sure. It's uh, probably the easiest way would be to go to Rotex.com. Um, that's our website, and they can navigate 
uh, through there, see products, uh, reach out to folks that way. And then uh, uh, the other way would probably be to just call our office at 513-591-5324 uh, would be the other way, and we can transfer folks to the right to the right people that way. So Good. Uh, when they call in, are they going to hit an automated attendant or a live human being? Uh, no, they will hear a live human being uh, on that line. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I'm, I'm a great believer in a live human being. Yes. Um, although I did hear the first good automated attendant that had full, full continuous speech recognition this week in wow. my own cold calls. And they said, say the name of the party that you want instead of dialing it. Yeah. And so I said the guy's name. The machine got it right and connected me right to him. Wow. I was flabbergasted. Yeah. I mean, that, was, that, that was great. First time that's happened. Uh, uh, a couple of uh, months ago, we had uh, your CEO, mm -hmm. uh, Joe Riva, here on the show, and he talked about the core competencies of lean, lean uh, talent development, strategic, the strategic management process. Uh, what effect do those have? Those key principles have at Rotex since Rotex was integrated into the Hildenbrand business. Right. Um, those three those three elements really comprise the, the core of Hillenbrand's competencies and, and capabilities, and it's it's a platform that they try to, to institute in all of the companies that they acquire. You know, there's lots of benefits uh, that have come from the acquisition, but specifically to this, I'd have to say probably the greatest effect it's had on Rotex is uh, in helping us to, to focus, think longer term, um, probably intentionally drive results, and think more in terms of processes than events. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I can give you an example uh, of that. So I'll, I'll take our strategy process. Most most organizations have a strategy event that takes place once a year. And you fill in a big binder. The proverbial wall site. Exactly, exactly. And you fill in the big binder, and it goes on a shelf somewhere, and it's, it's never really pulled off the shelf again. Mm -hmm. um, at Rotex, we've, we've actually integrated that strategy process into our weekly and monthly routines. So we are constantly and, and frankly, intentionally learning about our business and for experiments that are designed to prove hypothesis that came out of our strategy events. Uh, the same is true with our talent management. We have very similar uh, processes with talent management, right? That doesn't just sit on those shelves in a book. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very integrated into what we do. We have we have periodic reviews during the year. We're now actually in the process of linking uh, the development steps that we have said our top people need into their their review process and actually into a formal process where we can we can actually keep track of how they're developing. So, so here in, in Cincinnati area, how many employees does Rotex have? Um, overall, we have, including the, the hourly workforce, we have about, uh, it's probably, it's close to 200, a little under 200 associates. Mm -hmm. um, and and the talent piece that I was just describing was would really be aimed at sort of the exempt workforce, so mm -hmm. the, the managers, leaders, supervisors in the organization. Mm -hmm. And how many employees do you have internationally, or is that the... Uh, to uh, different subsidiaries, uh, it is it is um, it is really not for different. We we have uh, we have several locations across across the globe. We've got uh, we have another operation in uh, Runcorn, England. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a small sales office in Belgium. Globally, we have probably about 300, 300 folks globally. Another three hundred. Uh, no total. Oh, total. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. And uh, because you're a global company, English must be your official language. 
We we try to make it that, yeah. <laughs> so. Okay, well, if you get to know me better, you know I, I get upset with the word try. It's either you do or you do not. Yeah, yeah. We um, So, yes, it is our language, but oftentimes it's not our customer's language. So yes. we, we have to accommodate from yeah. time to time. Sam has done the same thing. We're in about 30 different countries, and it's taken eight years to get good translations into each one of those right. Right. languages and uh, for us I guess the most to me the most interesting problem uh, was removing the, re- the references to American baseball <laughs> which aren't ap- and American football yes. which aren't applicable as you go into South America and Europe yes. uh, that's a, an interesting it was an interesting situation yeah, it's actually funny you mention that because I'm I am a baseball fan at heart, and mm-hmm. I use lots of baseball analogies, and I've had to integrate some, some European football analogies uh, in, into my examples, so mm-hmm. I can relate. Uh, we used to say that to teach a Sandler program in London, this was in the early 2000s, it was about a week of prep time to remove all American mm-hmm. uh, expressions that were going to be meaningless to people who spoke British English right. or Great Britain. Uh, what do you think the opportunities uh, over the next few years of, for Rotex are? You know, that's, it's a great question. It's actually one that our strategy process is, is aiming and striving to answer. Um, currently, we're focused on applications that are developing, that we see developing in Eastern Europe, uh, predominantly in the, uh, in the form of oil seed production and sugar production. Um, we're also very interested in the shale gas developments around the globe, particularly here in North America, mm-hmm. but also in Argentina and in China. And then um, we're also investigating shale gas. Shale gas. Yeah. Would you do screening of dry product? Are you screening the sand? To get we are. We're screening the right. We're screening the propane that's used in this shale gas production. Right. So we're very interested in developments of that market, and uh, and actually we're seeing that market begin to heat up again. Um, and then we're also investigating some opportunities in biomass, uh, where we think, uh, again, that, that our, our value proposition can, can really come into play in some of the, uh, the biomass markets, some mm-hmm. alternative energy markets. Good. We've seen that with uh, some of our, our clients here. Yeah. Uh, importing sand from Texas, because the sand in our marketplace that's produced here is the wrong shape. Correct. Correct. Yes, Wisconsin sand is very, very popular. So mm-hmm. Well, our guys are bringing it in from in Texas. From Texas, that would be the second alternative. So yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you uh, share with our listeners a complex problem that you solve with an equally complex solution? Uh, I can. Uh, I'm going to use a uh, a business example, probably rather than a technological example. Um, Rotex is, is learning what it means to be a part, to move from a privately held company to becoming a part of a publicly traded parent company. Mm-hmm. And, of course, in a public environment, consistency in performance is, is critical on a weekly, monthly, and particularly a quarterly basis, as, as you're well aware. And while Rotex continues to perform and, and turn in great results, we, we've had an issue with um, projects and revenues slipping from, from month to month and quarter to quarter. And as we dug into it, what we, what we found was a big part of the issue is we were letting things sort of happen at their own pace, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so we instituted a daily meeting that is 15 minutes long 
Uh, we, it's every day from 11.45 to noon. We, we cover, it's very visual, and we cover our entire value stream from order to cash, including safety and quality. Uh, and it's a daily update where there's about 20 folks who attend the meeting, uh, and they provide updates to the organization, to the executive team on what's going on, what projects are on track, not on track, what, what, um, what machines are going to ship, not ship, what issues are we having. And it has been an incredibly powerful meeting for us. Uh, in fact, we, we, we had a record performance in the month of June, and members of my direct team made the comment that we probably would not have been able to turn in that kind of performance without the focus that that meeting provided. And really what we found was it's, it's, we've moved from things happening at their own pace to we now are dictating uh, as best we can the pace of what goes on. And, uh, and it's just made, it's, it's highlighted gaps in our processes, misunderstandings between functions, uh, all kinds of things that are, uh, uh, that we had no idea were really sort of going on. Sure. Yeah. Again, uh, Anthony has agreed to uh, take calls from our audience. We'll screen those during the uh, commercial breaks. Uh, the number is 646-595-4916. And uh, let's listen to a couple of Sandler commercials. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. At the first sign of trouble, there are three types of business leader. The first type of leader is like a turtle. He pulls his head and tail in and hides in his shell. Turtles hunker down, just trying to survive. The second type of leader is an opportunist. They're like eagles. Eagles spread their wings and take advantage of the winds. They catch the storm wind and rise to new heights. The third group, between turtles and eagles, are called turkeys. Turkeys are average and anxious. They huddle together and move. They never soar. However, turkeys are easy prey for those who seize the opportunity and soar. If someone in your industry goes out of business, are you going to get the business? The question is, which type of leader are you? Will you seize the opportunities to take market share and grow, or will your fate be like the turkeys? If you're serious about growth, call me to arrange a confidential meeting, 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management, but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, mentoring, business owners, and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner, and stronger, call me at 513-646-6523 or register for our next open house. Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. You can check us at www.rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Anthony Casablanca from Rotex Global. Anthony, uh, perhaps you can give our, as, as an experienced leader, perhaps you can give our listeners a leadership tip. So, um, you know, that, it, that's an interesting question and, and one that I'm, uh, uh, I, I, I Struggle to uh, to answer because uh, obviously I've got some business experience, but uh, you know certainly have not written any books on leadership or 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 anything like that. But well, you know it's interesting. We've done over 200 shows right now, and on most of the shows I ask the question. 
there were probably 30 leaders that I've interviewed that have given almost the identical answer. Is that right? Yeah. And in the first 100 shows, I edited probably 90 of them and cut it to about 40. We turned into a show. Really? Just one minute or so on leadership. Wow. By 30 different leaders in the area with primarily different ideas. Right. Perhaps right. you could share, share your ideas on leadership. I, so if I was if I was going to be talking to a young talent uh, in leadership, I I would probably tell them that there's there's two tips that I would I guess I would give them. Uh, the first is have a long term vision, um, and the second would be stand for something as a leader. So uh, long term visions give people something to strive for. Uh, at Rotex. We actually have one that's got two elements. One is doubling the size of the business over a certain time frame, uh, and the other one is is to um, uh, decrease our lead times as a way to eliminate waste in the organization. Uh, and those have really become things that the organization has rallied around. The the second one, standing for something, uh, Rotex has has five leadership platforms, if you will, that sort of help put guideposts around decision-making for mm-hmm. the organization, right? So the first one is people first, mission always. So we have to deliver the results, but we don't ever want to do it at the expense of our people or, uh, you know, on the backs of our people. Uh, we want to always treat people fairly. The second one is dedication to our customers. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who pay the bills. Right. Um, third would be development of future leaders mm-hmm. and, and the whole talent development piece and, and making that a very intentional part of what we do as an organization. Uh, the fourth one is, is reflection, frankly. So Rotex wants to be a learning organization, and mm-hmm. we constantly want to take the time. And, and we've actually built things into our daily and weekly routines that allow us to learn and reflect on what we do. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is the relentless pursuit of perfection, which which ties into lean and, and continuous improvement. And so if somebody in our organization is faced with a decision, as long as they're putting you know, people first, mission always. They're doing the right thing for the customers. It has something to do with talent uh, or something to do with learning. Then, you know, we could argue whether or not the, 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 the decision was right or wrong and the activity was right or wrong, but at least we know that folks did it with the right intention. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you could amplify a little bit more on the core competency of, in quotation marks, lean. lean. Not everyone uh, may have caught that. Sure, sure. The... Um, uh, so lean, lean at Hill & Brand is a little bit different than I think most companies view it. A lot of companies view lean as just simple cost cutting. Mm-hmm. Um, we are trying to do something much bigger than that at, at Hill & Brand. We are trying to make it a part of everything we do. And there's some, there's some you know, the way I explain it to my people, it, it's simple, but it's incredibly complex to change the culture to do this. But... It's really just a few things, right? What we try to do is make every job visible uh, and, and visual, so, so make, make normal from abnormal very clear, whether it's in the shop floor or in the office. Um, we, we try to make the work easier to get done, uh, which also then tends to expose waste in the process, um, we, which, which is almost sort of contradictory when you tell somebody, you know, lean is really about making your job easier. Well, if I can get the job broken down to just the things that add value and the things that I pay you to do, 
the job by itself then becomes easier to do, right, because you're not spending time looking for parts or doing non-value-added activity. Uh, the relentless pursuit of perfection, right, so we're, we are trying very hard at Rotex to develop an army of problem solvers, right, so that it's not the guy sitting in the front office that's got to come up with all of the great ideas or things that he thinks are the great ideas, mm-hmm. uh, that we've actually got people closest to the job that are analyzing what's going on. Um, and then, you know, finally, making sure that every job has a link to its customer or the ultimate end customer, uh, because at the end of the day, we need to make sure we're doing the work that, that is of value defined by that customer. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what we're really trying to do. That's a lot more it, than efficiency. Exactly, exactly. Or and efficiency defined. It is, it is. And when you, when you take that approach, you tend to look at things systematically as opposed to just a job or an individual process, right? Mm-hmm. And what I found my time at Batesville in the supply chain, and, and it's proving out again here at Rotex, oftentimes when you look at the entire system, the waste actually occurs in the white spaces between the jobs. That's where the inventory builds up. Mm-hmm. That's where, you know, you think you have a very efficient process because it only takes you, you know, a minute to make that bottled water. Mm-hmm. But if you've got, you know, 50 days of bottle caps between the jobs, that's a lot of waste, right? Yeah. And oftentimes, when you're not looking at the entire system or the entire value stream, you miss that. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're trying to do. Good, good. Uh, how does Rotex go to market? You, you actually market in how many countries now? Oh, gosh. Uh, too many to count. Quite too many to count. Yeah, we're, we're, if, if, if we can legally do business in that country, we're probably doing business in that country. Okay. Um, we have a... Um, we have a combination. So in North America, we, we go through third-party sales reps, mm-hmm. um, not exactly distributors, but uh, but independent sales reps that, that will have anywhere between 10 and 20 companies on their line card, and we try to be in the top top three. Mm-hmm. Um, Traditionally what we call manufacturers reps. Reps, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, in Europe, we use sort of a combination. There's some countries where manufacturers' reps are, are, are the accepted norm, and then there's other countries where they want to deal direct. Mm-hmm. So we have a mixed model there. Um, and it's interesting because of my experience at Batesville Casket Company, we had direct sales, uh, a direct sales channel at Batesville Casket. Mm-hmm. And while there are advantages to both, I actually think I like the manufacturer rep channel, uh, frankly, a little bit better because um, uh, those guys are generally – they don't get paid unless they're selling something, right? Right, it's, right. There's no salary. It's pure commission with those guys. We had a we had a class in here this morning, and the only ones that showed up were the manufacturers' reps. Is that right? Okay, they wanted to get their sword sharpened, mm-hmm. and it was a great class, you know. Right. Uh, uh, are there any challenges to using a uh, a rep organization marketing scheme here in America? Uh, there are. Uh, you know, if you were to talk to my my head sales guys, one of the things that they would tell you they lose sleep over is whether or not the rep is actually going out and finding all the opportunities that are available. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 how do we know that they're finding all of the opportunities? So that's that's one of the challenges that we're trying to work through. One of the Chandler Roth rules, uh, touch 100% of the desired opportunities yes. 100% of the time. People will buy when they're ready to buy you are ready to sell all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you don't call them, if you don't touch them, if you don't own top-of-mind awareness, 
they could buy from someone else. Exactly. Exactly. So, so that keeps us awake at night is whether or not our reps are actually getting to all the opportunities that, that Rotex could provide value for. Uh, the second one is obviously making sure that they're always selling the value proposition. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a little bit of an advantage there because our reps share in any discounting that goes on. So if it's in their best interest to sell the value proposition at full price is, is what we ask them to do. And, and, uh, making sure that they're, they're always sharp on that is something that we, because the, the network gets so far flung. Um, so how, what is the average? Uh, screening machine sell for? Um, you know, probably, rough numbers, probably about $100,000. Mm-hmm. So, and a, and a rep can make, on average, he's making about 8% of that number. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it's a, it's a nice paycheck when he's, when he sells, when them, he sells sure. one. And there's generally multiples of them that go into a, a process. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why we like to be in the top three revenue generators for him is they always have that share of mind with him. Top of mind awareness in the rep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the last one uh, is, is really sort of related to the first point about are we seeing all the opportunities, and that is being able to gauge when a rep organization has moved from sort of hunting to just gathering. Farming, yeah. Exactly. And it's, it's sort of become a lifestyle business for him, and, and he's really not out there pounding the pavement the way he was, and he's, he's not adding new reps. He's not looking to expand his territory. And, and how do we manage that relationship and, and, and help him to see that there's more opportunities and maybe he needs to grow his business or there's potential for him to grow his business. Mm-hmm. Do you depend on sales forecasting from the reps, or do you do sales, sales forecasting internally? Um, it's a little bit of both. So we can, using some pretty high-level statistics in a market, estimate what we think the opportunity is, uh, but it is largely the, it's largely driven by the opportunities that the rep bubbles up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, we're going to be taking uh, callers mm-hmm. during the commercial break. The number is 646-595-4916. Okay. Uh, today in the marketplace, we hear a, a lot of manufacturers uh, talk about the skill gap and they mm-hmm. can't find um, qualified employees, although there are a large number of unemployed, um, they can't find people who have the right skills. Uh, in fact, I heard that yesterday from one of our electronics manufacturers. Uh, he, can't, he can't keep up with production. He's been a client for a few years. Sales have grown like gangbusters. Mm-hmm. He's increased his prices. <laughs> He'd like to increase production. But he can't find people to actually do the work. Uh, how, how are you guys at, at Rotex here in Cincinnati uh, addressing the skills gap? Sure. So it's a really timely question because uh, we're in the same situation that you just described with the uh, the clients you have. Uh, business is growing, and and welding, as you can imagine, when you're throwing you know hundreds of thousands of tons an hour around in one of these machines, welding is a critical critical component to our value proposition and and our success. And we are uh, we are struggling to find welders with the right skill sets because uh, not any old welder can can make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and so that's that's a gap for us right now in expanding our business. And and a couple of things that we've done and. Uh, I'll just go ahead and put a plug in that if anybody out there wants to call in with a tip on where you can get welders, I am all ears. But uh, 
One of the things was we evaluated our testing criteria because we have found that we are testing to the highest level, um, and there are some well techniques that, frankly, aren't even taught in in schools anymore that are still required in our business. And so we've we've looked at that and said, well, if, if the welder can pass these elements of the test, but they don't pass this one or these two, we'll still go ahead and hire them. We'll provide them training opportunities. We'll continue to give them feedback and develop them and grow them into that role. Uh, but even with that, um, we're still there's still a gap out there, and our my uh, my head of HR is actually in the process of working with local welding schools to understand what are they teaching, can we be of assistance to teach some of these skills uh, with an apprenticeship program or an internship program. Uh, we're a long way from getting that implemented, but it's it's a gap that we've identified that is critical to our success, uh, and frankly, it's it's a it's it's a great paying job mm-hmm. um, when you can do it well. So, if you, if you had a guess today, how many welders are you, could you hire? Could I hire right now today? Yeah. Uh, probably six or seven. Mm-hmm. So that's a real identified shortage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And of course, it's because we're growing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, we're 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 looking for probably six or seven welders, and we just hired six or seven probably uh, three four months ago. Um, so. Yeah, that's that's an issue for us. Good. We're going to uh, listen to a, a Sandler rule now. Uh, we're going to listen to Sandler rule, if I can find it. Sandler rule number 19. Hi, I'm George Donovan with Sandler Training. I'm here to talk to you about rule number 19, never help the prospect end the interview. We've all been on sales calls where it's been uncomfortable and the prospect's acting uninterested or maybe even a little bit hostile. Your inclination is to close your portfolio, get up and walk out, but don't. This rule calls for you to hang in there. Ask the question that gets the issue on the table. Chances are, it's not you. Maybe it's your company's past performance that's the problem, or perhaps another company that sells similar products or services, or maybe it's another salesperson that has nothing to do with you or your company, but you'll never know unless you ask. So it sounds something like this. Let's suppose your prospect's name was Bill. You'd say, Bill, you seem a little bit skeptical. Is there something that I've said or done that's made you feel this way? And if it is, could we talk about it? Or maybe you say, Bill, I sense that there's a problem. Would it be okay if we talked about that for a minute? So the important part is that you ask. It takes the pressure off of you, and it helps the prospect work through the issue so you can get by it and get back to the interview. So the next time you're in an uncomfortable sales call, don't bail. Hang in there and remember rule number 19. Never help the prospect end the interview. Mike Roth and Anthony Casablanca uh, from Rotex Global. We have a, uh, a caller, Chuck. Are you there, Chuck? Yes, hi, Mike. Hi, Anthony. Good. Hi, Chuck. Why don't you uh, ask Anthony your question, Chuck? Well, Anthony, I'm in, in industrial marketing, and I was wondering if you think that uh, operators and the engineers would be using their smartphones and tablets to 
interact with the machine and get parts, order parts? Uh, you know, how would that the new smartphones integrate into your marketing? Sure. Um, you know, right now, uh, right now, I, I, I don't know that I, I would see it uh, as smartphones interacting to to make machine adjustments and those kinds of things. Um, uh, I think the two the two areas where uh, sort of interactive marketing would would come into play um, uh, one is in uh, is, is more in probably lead generation people going online and doing research around screeners and screening applications and those kinds of things and looking for potential sources folks who have uh, equipment that uh, that could potentially fit into the process that the engineer is looking for. Um, and, and actually it's one of the things that we are, uh, our marketing group is trying to capitalize on is, is the notion of, uh, you know, being able to track what's going on from, from that perspective, right? So, yeah. what organizations have logged on, hit, you know, hit our site, those kinds of things. The other well, one that the is, the problem is that people are using their smartphones to, to look at the internet now and it's so hard to display as much information on that little screen. I would agree. I would agree. Um, Just out of curiosity, are, are you doing internet website development internally, or are you using an external vendor? Uh, no, we use, we go out outside. Outside. Yeah, yeah, we go outside for that. Um, uh, and then something probably a little closer to the the question that you actually asked, Chuck, would be uh, there there is opportunity on the part side of the business to uh, sort of do the business to business e-commerce that. Um, uh, rather than having to actually pick up a phone and order parts for a machine, which are which are frankly pretty standard once we get the machine set up. Um, there is an operator in South America, third shift, and we need a new uh, motor. For right. the you should just be able to log on to an online catalog. And um, uh, I think that that trend will happen much more quickly, um, mm-hmm. although it's very complex, and those catalogs are not simple to build, but... Um, but that is that that would be another avenue that I I would see sort of the internet marketing playing playing to. So that's internet. something that you don't have today, but you're going to. Correct, correct. So yes. that existing customers could order parts for existing machines. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and then probably even potentially taking it one step further, uh, which is knowing that they need the parts almost before they need them. Um, mm-hmm. Which we could also probably do with a little bit of uh, with a little bit of thought and technology. Sure. Thanks, Jeff. Well, thank you very much, Anthony. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye. Uh, Anthony, that that only brings up a, a another another thought process: uh, search engine optimization. Uh, are you guys also engaged in that so people find you when they're looking for industrial screeners? That yeah, we are. Protex first. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we uh, we periodically do our own searches and see how far up the list we come. And, and uh, so, yes, we do do some search optimization mm-hmm. work, yes. Again, from the outside? Primarily, yes. Yeah, yeah, primarily. We don't... Um, uh, we don't have a very large IT department. And frankly, we don't have a very large marketing department, so we we tend to go outside for those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Frankly, Sandler does too. Yeah, and uh, they hired a company where I guess the average age is 25. Yeah, <laughs> these people seem to be doing a good job exactly. on search engine optimization exactly. uh, for Sandler and the sales training firm, uh, which is real good. Uh, uh, you guys at, at Rotex must have a long-term strategic plan. 
Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Yes, it is. Can I ask how many years long it is? Uh, well, it's um, so I'll, I'll give you two answers. For Hill and Brand, it's a it's a three year plan. Mm-hmm. At Rotex, though, we actually went out uh, we actually went out six years, seven years. Um, seven years. Yeah. So last year was when we developed the uh, uh, sort of the long term goals that I described earlier, and mm-hmm. the time frame we put on that was was seven years. So. So we are looking out seven years um, uh, currently, and of course Hill and Brand is looking for three-year windows. So we have two two of Hill and Brand cycles covered in our long-term plan. How frequently do you update the long-term plan? Um, you know, it's it's interesting. So formally, we update uh, we go through an annual cycle, um, which which at Hill and Brand has three phases that, that basically break down into quarters, right? Mm-hmm. So at the end of Q1, we'll, we'll, we will update learning, and then in Q2, we'll start to formulate initiatives, and in Q3, we, we put together the business plan for the next, the next year and two years out. And then we go through that cycle just continuously. Um, and actually, one of the things that I have begun to think about as a leader is, so when do you actually move those long-term goals? Right. Mm-hmm. So at what, point, up. at what point do you say, you know what, we actually are going to double the business and we can see that and it's within our reach, uh, actually within our grasp. At what point do you then move that goal? And that's something I'm thinking about now because we are coming up on sort of midway through the process. But um, but the answer to your question is we are almost quarterly reviewing the um, our, our planning and our and gaining learning and beginning to set the stage for what things we're going to do next year, and we look in three-year windows for Hill and Brand. Mm-hmm. So. Now, your company is uh, over 100 years old, mm-hmm. uh, and you're selling industrial-grade product for 100 years. Uh, how many years back do you get spare parts orders? How old are some of the machines that you have out there? Too old. Too old means? Um, uh, too old means that we still have handwritten ledger books tucked away in a safe that still have the Edison company listed as the as as the purchaser of the equipment. Um, so we can go back a long, long way. Um, in fact, that first machine that I referenced that was named Rotex, mm-hmm. uh, we have serial number 49 in our general store on display, and we took that to a convention uh, just here a couple of months ago in Chicago and had somebody stop in our booth and say they have seen one of those machines still running in a bakery, in some small bakery somewhere. So they can be a long, long time, but I would say on average it's probably in the 20-year range. So if if someone came in for a 75-year-old machine and wanted a part, would you guys make it? Uh, We would, um, but... We're probably going to make it more on our terms than yours, uh, and we're going to charge you pretty heftily for it because it's a part that we probably are not making any longer. Sure, and we have to go back. We got to find it. We got to dig out the drawings. We got to we got to understand what it is you had. Uh, we probably have to go find the materials for it because the machines have changed. Sure, sure. So our sales guys, in that instance, seventy-five years, we'd probably try to upgrade you at least a machine or two. So. <laughs> It's a funny thing that can happen when you're dealing with a, a company that's had a long history. I had, I had that kind of a problem of uh, a resistor company that was a client of ours. Where people were ordering parts for 1922 subway cars. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's, yeah. It's a 
you know, we love the parts business. It's a great business. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you know, we really need you to upgrade and sort of get into this century when it comes to screening equipment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I imagine the new screening equipment is a lot better than the old ones. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a leader, what motivates you to make tough decisions? Hmm. Um, you know, it, it probably comes down to um, maintaining the balance and, and always trying to keep the balance um, between what's good for our people, what's good for our customers, and what's good for our shareholders. And that's sort of the filter that, that I pass everything through. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and trying not to let that get too far out of balance, right? So, you know, sometimes we can we can get it wrong on one end or the other, right? We can uh, – and, and when we do, we apologize. We try to make it right, and, and we move on. But – but I think what motivates me to really make the tough decisions is 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 looking at that balance and saying, you know what, this is this is one we got to do for the business, mm-hmm. and it may not be very. We may have some customers that won't be happy with it, and we may have some some associates who may not be happy with it. Mm-hmm. But if it can pass the litmus test of this is what's really good for the long term of the business, then then I I can make that tough decision and. And the reality is sometimes it goes the other way, right? Sometimes there's a decision that's really good for a customer or really good for our associates, um, uh, and it, it may not be quite as good for the long term of the business, Or, but sometimes we have to make those decisions as well. So, um, But by and large, passing things through the filter of what's good for our people, what's good for our customers, and what's good for the long term of our the business and the shareholders is, is sort of how I manage through that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are three key, key components of growth, people, process, and strategy. Can you talk for a moment about each one, people, process, and strategy? Right. Um, so, you know, I think I think the um, – so on the people side of the business, clearly having the right, the right people with the right skills in the right places is of utmost importance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and oftentimes um, people – Leaders uh, tend, as odd as this sounds, uh, sometimes we tend to just hire for the job and not necessarily for where we need that person or that job to to take us or to go. Um, so I'm constantly asking my leaders to to not just hire for the job we have open. If we can't see the potential in those people, then we should probably pass on them. Um, the 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 process piece is um, is is uh, very um, okay. uh, is very much tied to lean and the um, the ability to to get the processes right right so oftentimes you can get great results with bad processes but that's a fluke mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and what we want is great processes that deliver great results uh, and that's exactly what lean is aimed at. Uh, and then strategy, you know, uh, knowing where you're going is, 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 is really sets the course for everything, right? Because other, it, it, it's just not, it's just not feasible to just sort of show up and see what happens. So, uh, and I talked a little bit about our strategy process and how integrated that is into everything we do to always make sure we're on the right path and, and we are constantly learning about our business. Yeah, I'm a great believer in strategy. Yeah. Right? If I was going to change my job title from owner, president, or CEO, it would be chief strategist. Uh, right. Anthony, I want to thank you for being on the show with us here today. 
Uh, I'm going to be giving you a copy of uh, one of the newest Sandler books, Transforming Leaders, The Sandler Way by Dave Arch. Awesome. This is going to be the uh, outline for the leadership program coming up this fall. Uh, Our training calendar in there, a million-dollar bill, which is my business card, and a free pass for you to come to uh, any one of the uh, upcoming programs so you can get a sample for yourself of what it's like. Awesome. Uh, you might actually like the program on September 10th over at O'Banion. Okay. Uh, thanks again for being on the show. My pleasure. And uh, Scott, why don't you close out the show? Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth and Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.